Welcome to the Finances Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real life practical advice on how to improve your relationship with money. I'm your host, Dr. Darla Bishop, your big sis who's going to guide you through this process. This is a special mini series introducing you to the topic covered in my next book, How to Afford Everything. The book comes out on December 12th, 2023, so make sure you mark your calendars. This is part two of the How to Afford Everything series. A quick note, if you're a new listener, please go back to and find episode one so you're all caught up. All right, now that we've taken care of that, get ready to take notes and maybe even crack open a cold one because we're about to talk something that can be sensitive. Now listen, JC told us, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. So you know what? You are too. Let's get this money. Shameless plug. Don't forget to pre-order the book, which will guide you through all these things with even more detail and sexy worksheets. Okay, the worksheets probably aren't sexy, but it sounded fun to say that, so I said it. The book comes out December 12th, and you can pre-order at DarlaBishop.com using the code HALLOWEEN, because that's when the pre-orders are available, to get a discount on your pre-order. Okay, here we are. We're on our second date with money. So during the episode one, which we'll call our first date, we got a call back. That was good. We got to know each other a little bit. We explored the importance of budgeting, having financial goals, and maybe even figured out money mantras that will help you on this journey. This time, we're going to dive into the world of spending and other fun stuff, credit and debt, the not so fun stuff. And don't worry, we won't be discussing any pyramid schemes or get rich quick stuff, unless you count the lottery. But we already know that's really just a tax on people who are already poor. So before we dive into your spending habits, let's consider your personal feelings about money. Yes, we're going to get in our feelings a little bit. Your life experiences have shaped your beliefs and behaviors about money. Financial experts call these money scripts. Think about this. What is your first memory of money? How did the adults in your life talk about money? Growing up, was money stable? unstable, inconsistent, or non-existent? Did the adults in your life give you rules about money? What were they? Did you break or change those rules that the adults gave you once you became a grown-up? When did you open your first bank account? What was the first paying job or business? For me, I think my first paying job was babysitting, but my first business was selling lemonade. What did you do with the money you earned from that first paying job? or business. I think I saved for a homecoming dress and bought snacks from the bake sales at school. What was your first experience investing? Now, I asked you all those questions because these are the parts and pieces that has shaped how you think about, how you feel about, and how you act when it comes to money. Paying attention to these questions and your answers to them and how the questions and the answers make you feel. This will give you some big clues about how you view money and whether you have a positive, maybe as neutral or negative relationship with it. And I bet you're wondering, is there a worksheet to help me figure this out? Yes. Yes, there is. There is a worksheet in the book. And remember, you can order the book at DarlaBishop.com. And if you use discount code Halloween, you'll get a nice discount. So let's start by talking about spending. Are your bills getting paid, but you still aren't sure where all your money is going? Are you living paycheck to paycheck, but know you could be doing better? You're not by yourself. In fact, the Lending Club reports that 61% of adults were living paycheck to paycheck as of July 2023. As your finances, 
I'm here to remind you that just because something is popular doesn't mean it's right. There is a better way, I promise. I want to tell you a story about a real world person that might sound very familiar to you. Let's call this friend Mika. Now, Mika was facing a cash conundrum. She paid all her bills, but her bank account was always on E. She's a single mom to an elementary age child. She has decent income and she loves to throw cash at her parents regularly because they help her a lot with her child. When we met, she told me that she was going to the ATM two, three times a week and taking $200 cash out every time. You should have saw the look on my face when she told me that. I said, well, that's why you don't know where your money is going. So actually, one of the first things we did with Mika is I put her on a cash diet. I know the word diet is a four-letter word, but so is cash. So let's get back to the main point here. I gave her rules. Now, because she had a child, I knew it was impractical and unrealistic for her to have zero cash on her at all times. So I told her she was allowed to keep $20 on her, but that every other spending that she did, she had to use a debit card or a credit card so that she could actually track it. And then we figured out that it was important to her to be able to give her parents some money because she was so appreciative of the help they were giving her and they were already retired. So they didn't really have space to increase their own budget. So we set a budget of having her just give them a set amount every month. And we settled on $200 for the first few months while we were getting her budget more stabilized. In 45 days of her cash diet, she learned a lot about how she was spending money and where it was going. And it turns out that her money was actually going to really cool and good things. She was spending money with small businesses that prefer to accept cash. She was spending money to give extras or take care of things for her parents. And she was making sure that her child wasn't going to school with no money, especially if they were going on a field trip or they were going to have a book sale, right? And because she was tracking, she could see where she was spending things that she didn't need to. So after a year of tracking her money, being more careful with using cash and using her credit and debit card so that she could see and make sure that the money was going where she told it to go and not where it ended up, she was able to add three months of her salary into her savings account. And her day-to-day money was just flowing smoother. Her savings cushion also allowed her to make a career change, something that she had been thinking about but knew might involve having to take a temporary pay cut while she did the training But now that she had three months of her previous salary saved up, she knew that she could handle that short-term pay cut in order to get this better job. And you know why? Because she knew exactly what it cost her to live her best life. This could be you as soon as you figure out what your magic number is. Now, I'm not talking about your favorite number or magic money. Um, We're not talking about the lottery here. Your magic number is, again, what it actually costs you to live. Pay all your bills, have some fun, and put a little money away for future you. This goes back to your budget. Don't worry, my book helps you with this. So getting real for a minute, how are you with impulse spending? Look, it happens, especially when you're scrolling through social media and powerful clickbait. We've all been there. When you feel yourself pulled in a direction of an impulse buy, I want you to repeat after me. This is not in my budget. This is not in my budget. Remember this money mantra from episode one? And remind yourself of your goals, a vacation, a house, a new car, whatever it is, and then scroll your stroll right on by that thing you don't need. If you are still thinking about the item 
24 hours later, then you can actually pause and look to see if it fits in your budget. Even taking a one day break to sleep on a purchase is could make the difference between a $700 credit card bill and your normal credit card bill. There are worksheets in my book that will help you figure out your spending personality and a checklist to know whether a purchase is really, truly worth it. Okay, let's talk about other people's money, debt. We've covered spending, which oftentimes, not always, can lead to debt or what I like to refer to as other people money. Let's break this down and decode it so it doesn't feel so daunting to talk about debt. Now look, we all aspire to be so detached from debt. Hopefully y'all saw this, that when we pronounce the B, do y'all remember when Coco Goff won the tennis championship and people were saying, oh, what are you going to do with your winnings? And people were like, she's going to pay off debt. And she was like, debt, debt, I don't have debt. Now, what that tells you is that she only knows about debt because she's read about it. She don't have none. And so she thinks you're supposed to pronounce a B. So go off Coco. Now, since we are not Coco Goff and unfortunately probably have a more intimate relationship with debt, I'm going to talk to you about how to manage it and how to make it feel okay. I love using other people's money. So this isn't about don't spend money, don't use credit card. No, no, no. You'll never hear that from me. What I want you to understand is what debt technically is and how you can use it for your benefits and in a way that helps you achieve all of your financial goals. Now, look, debt is a liability, but it can help you build your assets if you are managing it and using it the right way. Achieving the right balance involves understanding the types of debt you carry, their purposes, and their impact on your overall financial health. Not all debt is created equal. And so if you understand the difference between good debt and bad debt, that will help you to make informed financial decisions around other people's money. Good debt is the debt that helps you increase your potential to have a higher net worth or improve your financial future. It's an investment rather than an expense. So examples of good debt include student loans, right? Maybe that's the only way you were able to get a degree so that you could go after higher paying jobs. Mortgages so that you can have a home to live in or even business loans that help you build your business and get your product together before you're able to actually earn money from the businesses or services you sell. On the other side, bad debt is the debt that does not contribute to your financial well-being, and it actually leads to financial strain. Examples of financial debt can include credit cards, payday loans, and car title loans. When debt is draining your resources and limiting your options, that's when it's time to tap into the strategies that we're going to talk about next to kick debt to the curb and regain control over your financial life. Whether it's credit card debt, personal loans, or other forms of consumer debt. The first step to liberation is acknowledging its presence by writing down every dollar you owe. Yes, even the $30 you borrowed from your cousin in 2008 is what will help you make and follow a debt reduction plan. So once you've done that work, you've written down all your debts, decide whether you're going to do the snowball or avalanche. So there is an art to paying off debt. There are two methods that you'll see talked about in the literature and in articles. The first is the snowball method. Imagine a snowball rolling down a hill, gaining size and momentum. This is the essence of the snowball method. Basically, you take the debts that you put on the tracker that you got from my book. 
then you put them in order from smallest to largest, regardless of how much the interest rate is. So here you're focused on how much you owe to each debtor. And then you're going to attack the smallest debt first, while at the same time making the minimum required payments on every other debt except the smallest one. So this would mean that any extra money that comes your way, maybe you picked up a side job or some overtime, maybe you got a cash birthday gift, that you would throw that again at that smallest debt first, but keep all the other payments at the minimum required payment. What this helps you do is celebrate small wins and it gives you a psychological boost to help you get motivated and engaged in the debt repayment program. So here's how the snowball effect comes into play. Once the smallest debt is gone, you then take the money that you are putting towards that and apply it to the next smallest debt. So now that payment gets larger while you're still making the minimum required payment on everything else. The reason why the snowball method can be really effective, even though it might not save you the most money on interest over time, it helps you get those small wins and help you provide a sense of accomplishment, improving to yourself and maybe the other people around you that you can do it. Pushing yourself toward the goal of getting your larger debt paid off will feel easier once you've had some success. The other method that comes up is an avalanche. So imagine this. There's an avalanche thundering down a mountain, clearing everything in its path. And the avalanche method is just like that. It's focused, it's strategic, and it's efficient. Here's how it works. So the first step, just like in the snowball method, is you have to take all the debts that you listed, but this time you're going to put them in order based on interest rate, putting the interest rate that's highest up top and lowest on the bottom. And then you're going to work on the highest interest rate debt first. Again, making the minimum required payments on everything else except the one that has the highest interest rate. Now, the benefit to this plan is that when you eliminate the high interest debt, you do save more money on the interest charges compared to the snowball method over time. And then you repeat the process. Once that highest interest debt is paid off, you move on to the next and so on and so on. This debt clearing momentum builds as you tackle each high interest obligation. The avalanche method is like a precise financial strike. It might not offer the same emotional victories and small wins as the snowball, but it does save you the most money in interest over time. If you're trying to decide between the snowball and the avalanche, there are a few things that matter here, mainly your finance personality or style. Are you someone who needs a win in order to feel motivated? Even if that means paying a little bit more interest, then that means the snowball method is probably for you. But if you're like a numbers-driven person, financially strategic, and making the spreadsheet about your debt was one of the most fun things you did in a while, and you are really interested in saving the most money in the long run, then the avalanche method might be right for you. Whatever method you choose, the most important step is to start, make the plan, stick to it, and watch your debt go down as your financial freedom goes. Whether it's the small victories that you get from snowball or the strategic efficiency of avalanche, the art is in your commitment and your consistency. You can do it. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Afford Everything series. I really hope I sparked something inside you to not only hear the rest of the series, but to grab a copy of my next book, How to Afford Everything. That has been a decade in the making. Trust me, you won't regret it. 
You can find all the information at DarlaBishop.com. And don't forget to use discount code Halloween to get a discount on your pre-order. In the next episode, we'll talk about saving and investing together. I discuss how you create a rainy day fund and how to stop living paycheck to paycheck because as you might already know, broke is boring. I hope you'll join me. Remember, you're in control of your financial destiny. Let's make sure that your debt story has a happy ending and is as amazing as you are.